0: Welcome to the Energy Today podcast. This is episode seven. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Roos, and let's get into it. So, WTI has been fluctuating right around $52 a barrel. And on the last episode, episode six, uh, WTI was brushing up right against $50 a barrel. The largest driver that I found. Causing this price price action has been crude inventory slowly drawing down. I touched on this in a prior episode as well. Um, According to an article on oilprice.com, the American Petroleum Institute API reported last Tuesday a reduction in in inventories of 5.3 million barrels for the week ended January 8th. For some context to this, provide some color. Um, The week before that, there was a drawdown of 1.7 million barrels. So a little bit of an acceleration there. The US as a whole is pumping around 11 million barrels per per day compared to um, 13.2 million barrels barrels per day back in uh, March. So looking at this, I would imagine that it's safe to say continued reduction in crude inventory is going to accelerate into the future. Putting this On top of Saudi Arabia's and OPEC Plus's previously announced cuts, uh, things could be looking a little bit rosy from a supply side perspective, but I would uh, suggest to be cautiously, cautiously optimistic um, because we're really nowhere out of the woods, um, aka COVID, yet. Um, And there still seems to be a lot of uncertainty within the market, and rightfully so, as we have seen Rising cases, uh, especially in the U.S., but also across the world, slower than expected vaccine rollout, more lockdowns, particularly in the U.K., and the uncertainty that comes with an incoming Biden administration. Looking at all of this as a whole, uh, a return to normal seems to be getting pushed further and further further into the future, unfortunately. Um, But once that happens and people are buying more goods, driving, flying, etc., I could then imagine WTI sitting comfortably above around $60 a barrel. So I read this next article on oilapproducts.com as well, and it's titled, U.S. Puts CNOOC, a Chinese Oil Giant, on a Blacklist. So recently we have seen... The outgoing Trump administration blacklists or order delistings of certain Chinese companies that pose risks from a, quote, national security or foreign policy interests of the United States, end quote. And CNOOC has been put on this blacklist by the U.S. Department of Commerce restricting any business being done with this company or the ownership of their shares on U- on U.S. exchanges. Those shares will actually be delisted as early as, uh, sorry, as late as February 1st. So the biggest reason that I can sort of gather from this article is CNOOC reportedly harasses and threatens any company attempting to extract crude from the South China Sea. And from those that don't know, the South China Sea is very similar from a geopolitical sense to the Middle East, in the sense that it is sort of a hotbed of conflict and at any time could boil over and cause some real problems such as uh, military conflict, for example. So as we have have seen President Trump sign executive uh, orders banning owning shares of Chinese companies that are deemed to have links to the Chinese military, Hence why the CNOOC's shares will be delisted from uh, US exchanges. So there is really a lot to unpack here. Um, but the most important thing that I see is how this baton will be passed to the Biden administration. The question is, will Biden continue to take a hardline approach to China. He has said that he will. I'm not sure exactly how that'll, how that'll ultimately end up looking as hardline approaches could mean different things to different parties. China ultimately is our largest trading partner and the country that we owe the most debt to. So I'm wondering how we're going to navigate that sort of minefield in the future. I also wonder if these delistings may dampen foreign countries' desire to list on U.S. exchanges and would rather opt uh, to list on a domestic exchange. So they won't run the risk of possibly being delisted in the future if at some point the United States deems them as having ties to some sort of uh, military and that sort of thing. I personally think, from my view, that either administration needs to get out of the business of picking companies to de- to delist based on form- foreign policies <clears throat> excuse me, or national interest concerns, because I honestly believe that Americans are smart enough to make that decision on their own. I believe that Americans are smart enough to decide If they do or don't want to own a company that has Chinese military links, nonetheless, though putting personal views aside, I'll be very interested to see how this story progresses uh, and what retaliation we might see on the Chinese side on the Chinese side towards U.S. oil majors like Exxon, Chevron, ConocoPhillips, and those kinds of companies. So little side note here about this upcoming week. Uh, we will see the Biden administration roll into town on Wednesday, and I'm cautiously optimistic. I've been this way with every new administration, but I firmly believe that no matter who you are, you really want any president to succeed, um, because in the end, they represent America, whether whether you agree with them or not. And from a energy policy perspective in prior episodes, I touched on what kind of regulatory changes we could see from a Biden administration. And some of the more extreme measures, um, such as a ban on fracking on federal lands or canceling permits from the Keystone XL pipeline could see that play out. Um, And in my view, this will hurt American business more than helping it. Um, And in some ways Biden has since softened his tone on banning fracking as he likely took a pretty hardline approach during his campaign to appeal to that side of his base. Um, uh, but looking this into the, the effects have been on fracking, any kind of, of those uh, regulatory proposals will have a pretty muted effect on the, on the industry itself. Many oil companies have secured permits for a couple of years into the future. Uh, for drilling on these on these sites. And the plain fact is, is that most oil companies don't pump a lot of oil on federal lands. And this could have just, it sounds great, sounds better than it might be from, a, from an environmentalist perspective. Um, because saying that you're banning fracking on federal land sounds like a great thing, but if it really doesn't affect a lot of oil companies, I'm not exactly sure where we're getting there. Um, but nonetheless, because the Senate is now Democrat held, we're likely to see quite a few regulatory proposals from a lot of different angles, um, but specifically in the energy energy industry coming out in the next uh, few months to a year. Um, I know I'm going to be watching this news story, and I would definitely suggest you following this one as well. So that's all I have for this episode of the Energy Today podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Roost, and I hope that you have a great week.